welcome to the Made to Lead podcast, a show where we tell the personal and professional stories of amazing people of African descent who are leading in their own way. I'm your host, Aziz Garuba, and on each episode, I interview a dynamic individual and discuss their achievements, challenges, dreams, and aspirations, and the lessons they've learned along the way. These candid conversations are meant to showcase their superb talents and leadership philosophies with the hope that inspires you because you were also made to lead. If you're listening for the first time, I encourage you to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Made to Lead Show. Also visit our website, madetolead.co, for more information about each episode. My guest today is Linus Akano Jr. He's a crisis recovery senior manager with a global consultancy who works to help public sector organizations develop and operationalize resilience in response to man-made and natural disasters. His experience spans some of the largest and most complex disaster events in recent U.S. history and focuses on helping communities leverage federal assistance to recover in an expedited, cost-effective, and compliant manner. Linus's leadership philosophy is informed by his faith, which inspires him to help people and organizations live purposely. He's passionate about the transformative power of education and economic empowerment to unlock individual and collective potential. His commitments to these ideals are reflected in his service as an adjunct faculty at the Bill Munday School of Business at St. Edward's University, as well as current roles as a member of the Board of Trustees at St. Edward's and a volunteer director with University Federal Credit Union. Linus joins us today from Austin, Texas. Thank you for joining us, Linus. How are you doing today? Doing very well, Aziz. Pleasure to be here with you today. Awesome, awesome. So um, let's get right into, into, into things. We wanted to just sort of understand your background. Let, let's talk about how you grew up, where you grew up, and uh, how you ultimately ended up uh, at Deloitte. Yeah, no, certainly. So like you do, born and raised in Nigeria, I was the third of six children to Linus and Justina. And uh, growing up in Nigeria in the late 80s and into the 90s was obviously a very interesting and exciting time. Very honored about the opportunity to have been born and raised during that time and in that place, because I think there was a lot about our experiences that really helped shape my outlook on life and um, the perspective that over time has evolved into who I am and, and, and what I stand for and what I believe in. Uh, growing up in Nigeria also taught me the importance of leadership. Uh, first and foremost, having a, a perspective of leadership from my parents, but then also having that contrast against a backdrop of what you would regard as maybe failed leadership or a series of failed leadership in Nigeria uh, and seeing that there is oftentimes an option that's available to you and that there's a sacrifice that comes with true leadership and seeing that from my parents, learning that firsthand uh, has gone a great deal into informing who I am today. Um, I was fortunate enough that my parents believed strongly in the power of education, uh, enjoyed a really fantastic primary and secondary school education and was afforded the chance to move over to the U.S. at uh, 16 to start college. And um, that uh, was, again, another really eye-opening experience, a different culture, a different background, and a lot of the success uh, that I was able to have, the old, a lot of the capabilities I was able to have in navigating the challenges that presented uh, here in the U.S. by myself largely um, was due to, again, that upbringing that I had both in Nigeria and most importantly from my parents. 
That's fantastic, and 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 I love that uh, reference to to having a solid foundation as a backdrop to um, really getting uh, uh, making progress in a new environment. What was that transition like t- uh, for you? You know, coming to the United States solo, as you mentioned, um, and and trying to navigate university, you know, and college, and and ultimately getting into into uh, Deloitte for your career. Yeah, I would say it was very different. Uh, a, a big contrast. I mean, for starters, I mentioned growing up in a family with six kids, mom and dad, you're always around people. And um, coming into the States, uh, I lived with my uncle for about a year, a year and a half, uh, and then largely by myself with maybe roommates. Uh, and so just moving from one environment of being around people who sort of constantly kept you on your toes and kept you accountable uh, in having to be now be responsible personally for your accountability where there were no eyes on you. Uh, and um, I, th- I think that was very important, very critical. It's something that still today I, I imbibe, which is that idea that I have to still be responsible regardless of who's looking or who's around uh, and making sure then that I'm the best representation of my family, best representation of the education and the opportunities uh, that I've been fortunate enough to enjoy. Uh, College in the U.S. was was very different uh, for me. Um, again, I was 16, and most of my peers were probably two, three years older than I was. But um, learning the, the the importance of just taking a step back, uh, not having to be in the limelight, not having to be front and center, uh, and just really learning to adapt to different circumstances, different cultures, different peoples, different perspective, and, and sort of having to become a man much sooner than maybe perhaps. Uh, I needed to, but one that definitely was was a way of keeping me responsible and accountable. Awesome, awesome. So you're you're a senior manager now uh, at Deloitte. You've been at Deloitte for pretty much your entire career, um, and you know for the next level above senior managers, you know you're you're, you're you know you're obviously sort of on the partner track, uh, which is you know you're at the ultimate leadership role uh, within the consulting firm and the consulting world. How would you define uh, leadership from your perspective, especially as you're working towards uh, taking that next step uh, uh, to become a partner? Yeah, I would say that uh, for me, the first thing about leadership is that leadership is a choice. Uh, and, and I say that because I believe that each and every single one of us have within ourselves the capability and the capacity to be a leader. Uh, now, it doesn't mean that we will all have the title as a leader, granted that the title does not equate to you being a leader, uh, but at different times throughout our lives, throughout our careers, we'll be called upon, or at least the opportunity will present itself for us to be leaders, to step up to the mantle. Um, and so for me, I, I, I look at leadership as the choice for an individual to look into the face of chaos or uncertainty or difficulty and help map out a path to success. And then subsequently inspire all those around you, whether it's your team, whether it's your family, your country, uh, or any organization or group to which you are a part to, to, to follow that path. And you do it without any desire for recognition or reward or reciprocity. You do it because it's the right thing. It's what's needed. Uh, and, um, and that's what makes you a leader. Phenomenal. That's absolutely phenomenal. And within the space that you're in, um, in, in, in your world, uh, dealing with, you know, crises and natural disaster recovery, I think that that sort of space requires a certain type of leader 
um, to be able to navigate even things like the the business continuity aspects of things or even the community around uh, around uh, such an issue. Uh, given your experience in, in crisis and natural disaster management and, and you know, what we're currently experiencing, uh, you know, which is a, nat- a, nat- a global pandemic of the coronavirus, what do you think are some characteristics that leaders uh, right now, both either political, business or community leaders, what do you think that they should be doing um, or and what do you think they should also do less of? Your crises are probably perhaps one of the most crucial and critical crucibles in which leadership is both forged and revealed. Uh, in, in moments of crises, what people need from a leader or leaders is someone or some people who can first and foremost communicate. Give people a sense of understanding about what is going on. Give people a sense of hope. But capture a future capture a vision of a future and articulate that to people and inspire them to pursue that. And then trying to find the best in each and every single one of us. Um, What are the skills or the capabilities? What are the uh, things or the knowledge or the skill sets that can be brought to bear to tackle this issue or to navigate the uncertainty? And then give people that continuing support. And, and, And sometimes it's just as simple as clearing the path for them. Tell people, here's the goal. Here's the thing after which we're pursuing and step out of the way and let them do what they do best, frequently check in on them and make sure that they have whatever is necessary. In in times of crisis, I think you don't need leaders who are in it for themselves. You don't need leaders who are looking to jockey for position or looking to cast blame because there's enough problems around, uh, far more enough than, than, than needed to, to short anybody by by casting aspersions there will always be time to assign blame there will always be time to 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 do the post-mortem so to speak but in the moment what people need is a clear vision of the future the inspiration that we're capable of doing it and um, supporting them with whatever resources they need to make it all the way through to the finish great great thank you very much for that um so let's you know get a little bit uh, more personal in terms of your own career path um what made you decide to even get into this particular space? You know, you, you, you went to, to college, um, you know, graduated. And how did you sort of end up uh, first in, in, in the consulting space? Let's start with that. I wouldn't say that it was a path that I necessarily chose for myself. When I, when I started in college, I was a computer sciences major and was hoping to, you know, go into programming or, you know, go into sort of deep technology implementation. Uh, but I was fortunate enough to, to have a, a, a professor who suggested to me um, that I consider a double major in accounting and computer information technology. Uh, and, and, and I recall spending my first uh, winter uh, in college thinking through about that option and eventually choosing down that path. Uh, I went on to study accounting uh, at the graduate level, but this whole time, I think, you know, my feeling and and my sense of what I wanted to do was was always that I didn't want to do anything static. I didn't want to do anything repetitive. Uh, And certainly, um, you know, whether it was in accounting or business or even the computer sciences side, I always wanted to make sure that whatever I was doing, there was always something new, something different, something challenging. Uh, and, and I was fortunate. It was almost happenstance. Uh, at, at Deloitte, I had a, my first year, 
I had a gap in my schedule and, and was looking for a project. And I was fortunate enough to reach out to one of the partners who offered me a, a, a two-week rotation on her project. Uh, and it was a recovery project uh, in um, a Gulf, one of the Gulf states. And um, it was it was an interesting perspective. Here we were doing pretty much anything and everything. Uh, what I mean by that is we were helping develop strategy. At the same time, we were operationalizing those plans. Uh, we were helping transform from a governance standpoint policies and procedures. Uh, we were using technology to find automation and efficiencies. We were dealing with people and people transformation. And so it was almost this sort of total package. And, and for lack of a better word, I fell in love with this space. I fell in love uh, with the nature of the work, with the pace, with how dynamic it was. But I think above everything else was how rewarding the work that I did. I mean, don't get me wrong, um, helping companies, whether they be public or private, uh, solve their problems is, is, is a good thing. But being able to tie back the work that I do to the recovery of a community. Uh, to give you an example, I mean, when, when I started on that project, uh, physically, the, the, the communities in which we were working and supporting had just gone through a natural disaster devastation. And to see that over time, the work that we did directly related to the abilities to get federal assistance to recover, rebuild schools and hospitals and fire departments and police departments and begin to see life and commerce return back to this really downtrodden community was such an impressive feeling that uh, it's, just, it's just something I couldn't I couldn't shake. And so uh, that was me falling in love with disaster recovery work. I see people on their worst days and every single day thereafter, it gets better because the work that I do is helping contribute to them recovering faster, sooner, stronger and better. Very nice. And and did you ever experience any any major obstacles um, in your life? And how did you master or overcome them um, as, as part of your journey? Well, life is full of obstacles. Uh, and some of them are big and, and, and some of them are not so big. Um, and, and, and I've, I've, I've faced my fair share and, and I certainly don't want to make myself sound, uh, uh, like, like I've suffered. Uh, <laughs> certainly I know that, I know that there are so many others who, 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 who have suffered a lot. But you've been uh, through but, your but own me, share of, of crises and, and crisis management in your own life. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, a few years back, I lost my dad, um, and leading up to that, just, you know, watch, watching Superman um, go through a difficult time. Uh, he, he battled with some health issues um, and being unable to help, being unable to, 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 to do anything about it, all my knowledge, whatever wealth, whatever influence or network um, I had really couldn't do anything there. And um, it, it was a difficult time because, you know, you grow up, and you have all of these dreams and aspirations of maybe one day having the chance to take care of your parents in the same way that they've taken care of you and recognizing that I wouldn't have the chance to do it, certainly for the length of time that I anticipated that I would. Uh, but then also not being able to help my dad, someone who would help me every step of my life growing up. Uh, and I think that was difficult. But what, what, what I was able to appreciate 
is that even in the face of these obstacles, and, and this is, I think, another important critical lesson for all of us, is that you can choose to allow certain things be stumbling blocks or stepping stones for you. Uh, and even in such a difficult moment and even such difficult circumstances, was was able to take a step back and, you know, reevaluate life, uh, what was important and what wasn't so important, um, and, and really commit myself to a path that was very purpose-driven, um, to honor the legacy of, of a man that I'd loved so much, uh, and cherish in, in recognizing that uh, a baton was being passed over to me and that I now had to step up to the mantle of responsibility in a number of ways, uh, to, to, to make sure that the work that he started carried on. And, and again, I think therein lies another quality of a good leader is that, um, you're doing it not just for the here and now, you're doing it for legacy. You're doing it that the work that you do and its impact outlives you, and it lives on in the people that you have led. It lives on in the people that you have impacted. Uh, and sometimes they might not remember your name, but they definitely remember uh, the, the, the consequences, the positive implications of your leadership, of your presence, and, and the work that you did. And, and do you feel that you're currently you know, still on, on that path to to? leaving that kind of legacy and influencing people in, in the way that you've described? Perhaps I'm not going to be the judge of that. History will perhaps, and, and, and others will perhaps do a better job of it than, than, than I would. But uh, I would say that I, I continue to strive to make sure that uh, everything that I do, I do for legacy. Uh, I have learned to embrace obscurity as, as, as a good friend. And by that is that the things that I do, sometimes doing them outside of the spotlight uh, is, is best because, uh, again, it really helps you refine uh, in your heart the reasons why you're doing things, that you're not doing it for the adulation, you're not doing it for the praise. Uh, and then take a really strategic lens uh, in looking at things and not just, you know, what's the impact for this month or this week or even this year, but um, what's the impact on someone's life for many years to come and how can this potentially change the trajectory? Right, right. That's that, that's truly, truly correct. Um, and because, yeah, a, a lot of the things that we do today shouldn't always be self-serving all the time. But, you know, remember that, yeah, you know, the, the little actions we take do have an impact on someone else. And and that impact is what should give us the the joy in pursuing pursuing the things that that we do. So I'm just going to switch gears a little bit and and, and talk about balance. Um, so you, yeah. you you currently serve like you do a lot of things, right? So you're you know you're a senior manager at Deloitte. You serve as a trustee at uh, St. Edward's University and also on the board of directors of University Federal Credit Union. You you speak at conferences professionally, and you know you you also. Uh, teach at at the university, um, and in addition to that, you're also <laughs> doing your PhD. How do you balance all of this, um, and and you know keep some semblance of sanity? Yeah, I, I think the word that you use is balance, and I think that that becomes the critical thing. I'll say for a long time, I tried to separate my work from my personal, from the volunteer work that I do. Um, and, and oftentimes, if we're not careful, I know it's well-intended, but you end up creating either these silos uh, and forcing yourself to take on different personas. Uh, and sometimes just the transition from family man to 
employee or, or, or leader or manager to a volunteer, sometimes that, that in of itself is, is, a, is a level of stress that's not necessary. And so I think for me, one of the chief approaches that I take with this is how can I meld all of them together? Um, and, and how can I bring all of them to, to, to play in, in, in a singular sense? And what I mean by that is try to be strategic about the things that I do at work and things that I do personally, that there isn't all that much of a change or all that much of a difference. Uh, and so, for example, um, you know, the, the work that I do in teaching um, is, is one that comes from my deep appreciation of education uh, and the ability to share knowledge with others and help them realize their fullest potential. Well, in the workplace, as a leader, I try to, to do a similar thing, that even though we're not talking about academics, we might be talking about methodologies or approaches or tools and systems. I take that similar approach of how can I teach my team members, how can I inspire them and help them unleash their fullest potential. So again, it's all about integrating my personal with my with my professional uh, don't get me wrong. There's sometimes certain boundaries and, uh, that, that have to be respected and have to be erected, right. but as much as possible, trying to ensure that I'm driven by purpose. Uh, and so with me, the purpose is all about helping people achieve their fullest potential and try to find activities within my professional, within my personal, within my community or civic life that embrace all of those same concepts. And so it becomes a whole lot seamless. Uh, and, and, um, also very difficult for me to be able to, you know, find friction between the things that I do in these different spaces. Phenomenal. You, you brought up something and you mentioned something about, you know, having, not having different personas in all of the different things that you do. Uh, so I want to ask, you know, your thoughts about, uh, the concept of bringing your authentic self into every space. Uh, what do you feel about that and how do you feel that you're practicing, you know, being authentic uh, uh, in both the workplace and in some of the volunteer spaces that you're in? Yeah, that, 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 that's, that's an important question. And, and, and I know it's one that's uh, a, a topic that a lot of people talk about these days. How do you how do you do that? It, it starts with I think you can't be honest with the world until you're honest with yourself. Hmm. Um, and, and, and I think a lot of people are so focused on how do I be authentic to the world? How do I show them the real me that I'll oftentimes tell them to take a pause and have you shown yourself your real self? Uh, I, I recall a conversation you and I had uh, a few weeks back in, in which we talked about, you know, what are the depths to which I could stoop? You know, what is the worst thing of which I am capable? And, and do I always paint myself as the hero in a story? Or do I see the possibility that I could very well be the villain? And that goes back to how well do you know yourself? And so for me, it's, it's taking the time to be, to be true to myself uh, and always reflect back on the things that I've done, the things that I've said, the way that I interact with people and ask if that was the best version of me, if I could be better and how I could make myself better. But also not to, to, to lie to myself about, you know, the not so good things or the not so glamorous things about myself, my weaknesses, my edges, uh, in, 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 in recognizing that while it is a part of me, there's, it's, 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 it's something that I have to be, uh, cognizant of and something I have to guard against. And so being honest with first and foremost with yourself allows you to then bring that authentic self into the workplace. Uh, and, and being, bringing your authentic self even to others is, is one that you, you, you have to be careful, you know, and, and what I mean by that is not everyone is ready for you as you are. 
and, and other people are still dealing with themselves. And so you have to just not just here's who I am, but here's who I am and how it relates to you. Here's who I am and how this can be beneficial to you or how you can relate to me. So it's not just take me or leave me the way as you see me, but it's me extending a gesture of goodwill towards you of saying, look, I recognize just like myself, you are probably also going through different challenges. You're trying to better yourself. You've got things uh, about yourself that you're looking to improve and, and granting them that same level of grace that we grant ourselves and, and recognizing that we're all works in progress. Phenomenal. These are some, some deep words of wisdom here that I, I hope, uh, you know, people will, it will resonate with, with some people and, and let them, you know, put some of this stuff into practice. Um, Let's just talk, uh, touch on on the concept of, of mentorship. Uh, we all know that uh, it's it's important to have mentors because um, you know your your career and even things within your personal life are greatly enhanced by by having mentors. So so do you have any key mentors in your life that you could you could talk about? And also uh, the reverse of that, um, how do you how do you give back uh, in terms of being a mentor to to others? The mentors are important, uh, whether you formally or informally recognize them as such, but having people to whom you look up, people who inspire you, people who um, offer some teachings or, or, or some insights that make you say, you know what, I like how they do that and, and how can I learn more from that. Uh, I, obviously, my parents are, are by far the, the biggest mentors that I ever have in the case of my mom still have. I mean, even with my dad, I, I still learn things from him today. Uh, things that he said so many years ago that uh, as a kid, I thought was foolishness. And now as a, a growing adult, I, I think back on it and, and, and marvel at the genius of the man who in so many regards was, was ahead of his time. And, and so I think my parents have always served to me as, as good mentors of what it meant to, to, to work hard, to give back, uh, and to measure my success, not by how much better I was than other people, but how much better I made other people than they previously were. Um, I've been fortunate enough uh, in, in life. Mike Harris, uh, Mike Harris was, uh, one of my accounting professors and he was, uh, my, uh, supervisor in, um, my senior project through college. And, uh, he was such, uh, an, an instrumental part of my college experience because Mike would always talk about the path of truth and beauty, which is how he referred to the subject of accounting. Uh, but he was always careful that he wasn't just teaching me accounting. He was teaching me in a number of ways, accountability. He wasn't just teaching me academics and, and, and theory. He was teaching me about life and, and how to take risks and how to, you know, take on opportunities that I, in a number of ways, didn't think I was deserving. Uh, as an example, I, I never thought that I wanted to go to graduate school. My, my plan was to get my undergraduate degree and start making money as quickly as I could. And um, he, he, he really took the time to invest in me and, and challenge me about my perspective on, on, on getting a graduate degree. And uh, I was fortunate that I did that because it wasn't, um, it was as a result of my graduate experience that I was able to get uh, recruited into Deloitte. Uh, and still today, Mike, Mike is still one of the people that 
I can still turn to and, and ask those questions. And, and he always is full of such wonderful insights. And uh, it's been a privilege for me. Uh, you talked about some of my uh, the work that I do as, as, an, as an adjunct faculty. My very first adjunct faculty course was me taking over Mike's course. Uh, he had asked me initially to, to teach an extra semester that he wasn't planning on teaching. Uh, and shortly thereafter, he retired. And so it was a privilege and honor to stand in front of a class in the very same classroom that he taught me uh, to teach students the same. Wow. Uh, and Mike and I both serve on the board of University Federal Credit Union. He's, he's the chair of the board. Uh, and um, again, it's been such of this wonderful experience to see that even long after our academic uh, relationship uh, lived its course, that he's always been an important part of my life in, in helping me navigate, especially in the professional world, uh, some of the challenges and opportunities that I otherwise would have said, yeah, nah, I don't think I want to do that, but has, has shown me how important some of those things really could be. Oh, that, that, that's a great story. A great, great tribute uh, to, to Mike as well. Um, so, so the final question um, I w I'll ask is, what would you say to your younger self uh, based on the experiences that you've had, what you know today, um, would, would you do anything differently? And, and what would that younger Linus Jr. Um, hear from you today? <laughs> well, I would tell my younger self that it's all right to be you. Hmm. And that it's all right to follow your heart, to, to dream big dreams and to take risks. And that success or failure is not so much as if you hit the mark, but that you have the courage, even when everything else around you is giving you reason to be fearful, to stay in the ring, to keep fighting, to keep believing, to recognize that as young as you are, you are capable of doing great things, not just in the future, but even right there and right, right then. I think there were times when I was young that I felt that what I was doing didn't matter as much uh, or that I needed to be older, smarter, wiser, wealthier before I could make an impact. Uh, and, and so just reminding my younger self that it all counts, even from right there. And don't stop and don't let anything, especially the circumstances, uh, keep you from it. Um, the, the whole idea of courage is not that you're not afraid. The idea of courage is that in spite of your fear, you choose to step up. The idea of joy is not that there isn't anything unfortunate happening in your life, but that in spite of the unfortunate things, uh, you can still have a, an, an inward serenity that the outside world could not interfere with. And so that would be my advice to the self is just to keep doing it. And uh, you'll be pleasantly surprised how much impact you're already making. Brilliant. Brilliant. And we, we can tell just by that answer that, you know, you, you are a professor and working on that PhD quite well. Nice way to wrap this up. Uh, what we're going to do is, is a quick uh, rapid fire session uh, that I do with, uh, with, okay. with everyone. Uh, so I'm just going to ask you um, five questions uh, and you've got about five to 10 seconds to give me whatever answer comes into your mind as quickly as possible. Uh, so we'll start. Okay. What is a book that you're currently reading? Book that I'm currently reading. Uh, I'm not reading any books right now. I am reading a lot of academic papers for my PhD. So no books at the moment. 
a okay. lot of academic papers. That makes sense.、Um, what would you say is your favorite productivity tool or process? Favorite productivity tool, Microsoft Outlook.、Uh, I, I, I live a lot in it,、uh, both on my personal mobile device and on my laptop. Okay.、Uh, what's your favorite place to escape to? Golf course. Any chance I can get to be on the golf course, three, four, five hours,、uh, beautiful seating. Very good. Some chances to get some high scores too. <laughs> And yeah, you live in Austin as well, so you know winter is not really much of a problem there. So you can do that almost almost every day of the week if you wanted.、Uh, yeah, no, that's good.、Uh, so who would you say is currently your biggest cheerleader or supporter? My biggest cheerleader. It's 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 a tie between my mom and my siblings,、um, uh, but they they do a very good job of of keeping me in check, and they know me better than anyone else. So I can never be too good, too accomplished with them. So、awesome. uh, my biggest cheerleaders would be my family. Okay, and if money or resources were not an issue, what would you do? Oh, that's a good one. I would be back in Nigeria, starting a venture capital,、uh, in which、um, I'll be focused on helping Nigerians, both through education and entrepreneurship, make a better future for themselves. Awesome. Well, that's it. That's part of. That's the end of the rapid fire. Thank you very much for joining us on this episode.、Um, I do hope that、uh, our listeners are able to benefit from your wonderful words of wisdom. And、uh, we will be tracking your success and supporting you、uh, along the way. So thanks a lot, Linus, for for being here. Well, it's a pleasure, and thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Made to Lead. If you enjoyed what you heard, please subscribe on iTunes, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts, and please share with others. Also, take a moment to leave a review as well. This helps us improve and also get discovered by others. You can also support by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Made to Lead Show, and by visiting our website MadeToLead.co. If you would like to be featured or know an amazing person of African descent whose story would be inspirational to others, I'd love to hear from you. Visit our website MadeToLead.co/getfeatured and send us a note. As you continue on your own leadership journey, remember that if you don't spread your wings, you'll never know how high or how far you can fly. So stretch your feathers. Because you were made to lead. <laughs>